I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The science If you count the legal votes, I easily win. It is time to get bricks done. This candle smells like my vagina. It's supposed to be so here. I should be back in the school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Part of the Acast Creator Network. Hello. I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Every day, the anti-vaxxer people get more and more worked up, screaming at us to stop wearing masks. Why are they so angry about what we wear? Maybe soon they'll move on to other garments. They'll stand in shopping centres screaming, Don't wear underpants! They're part of a sinister plan by world governments to rub things against your crotch. Before long, Piers Corbyn will be at a rally in Trafalgar Square setting fire to a bin liner full of socks, while David Icke yells, There's no such thing as feet. This week, they went to a hospital in Colchester and served legal papers saying that under the terms of the Magna Carta and the Nuremberg Code, the receptionist was committing crimes against humanity because there's no such thing as Covid and it's all part of the pandemic. Next, they'll go to a fire and shout at the firefighters for putting it out. There's no such thing as fire and Walker doesn't work on fire, so we are serving you as someone who works for the uh, liar service with the Versailles Treaty and the Weights and Measures Act and the LBW rule. But the problem is, the government is almost as bonkers. For example, MP Gillian Keegan said, wearing a mask shouldn't be seen as a sign of virtue. Because look at these smug types who wear a mask just because scientists agree it's a main way of stopping the spread of a disease. It's the same with these people who think they're full of virtue because they don't ever take a leopard into an old people's home. Ooh, look at me, they whine, because I'm goody two-shoes, making sure none of the residents get mauled by a wild animal. We're one of the few countries that hasn't introduced vaccine passports for entry into nightclubs or cinemas. And the reason is, it's considered to be discrimination against people who have decided not to have the vaccine. And this is true in the same way that if someone searched before they go into an event at a stadium, it discriminates against people who like carrying a set of swords and a flamethrower. The initial inquiry into the government's handling of the pandemic found them to be incompetent, having ignored the science causing thousands of unnecessary deaths. One of many low points was last December when the government announced Boris had saved Christmas by ignoring all the scientists that said you must not delay the lockdown until after Christmas. So they might as well have said, I saved Kevin's birthday because they allowed the children's party to go ahead, even though they discovered an unexploded bomb under the trifle. And then this year, they could have eased us out of the lockdown in June, keeping rules in place to make sure we didn't have to do it again. But instead, it was decided June the 19th was Freedom Day. And Boris Johnson looked like he wanted to squeal, everyone must go out naked and sneeze over each other to celebrate. So now, our Covid rates are rising faster than anywhere else, and the government says they're considering a Plan B. For 18 months, they've been announcing plans, then reversing them, insisting there'll be no lockdowns a few hours before introducing a lockdown. They're way past Plan B. If they're on Plan B, they must have gone right round the alphabet and started again, like with car registration numbers. And now they insist we have to learn to live with Covid. 
But learning to live with something doesn't mean pretending it's not there. That's like someone saying, I've got a peanut allergy. <laughs> the doctors have told me if I eat one peanut, I'll die. But I've got to learn to live with it. So in a minute, I'm going to have a whole packet of peanuts. When Boris Johnson went to hospital with COVID, that nurse could have said, uh, I could give you oxygen, but the thing is with plummeting oxygen levels, you just have to live with it. And next week, Johnson will tell us, Scientists have warned that as winter is coming, it might get cold. Their figures suggest it could get dark uh, quite early, and at times there could be rain or even snow. So, Rather than wear extra clothes or put the heating on, we recommend you learn to live with it. And then we'll see groups of people in every shopping centre yelling, Don't wear coats! Temperatures are hoaxed! Don't believe the hypothermia! Before taking up all the hospital beds because the twats are fucking freezing. What the fuck is People of the podcast, with extraordinary technical difficulties, we have with us to help us work out what the fuck is going on. The marvellous <laughs> Katie Robbins. Hey, that's course. nice to be called Katie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I noticed that your email address has a Katie on it. Yeah, well, I'm Katie to my family, but um, there's certain people called Katie who I didn't want to associate with. So <laughs> yeah, know. well, you can't, yeah. It's a bit like Adolf, isn't it? Oh, you know, yeah, not so popular. <laughs> Katie, of course, we do share something in life, which is that our offspring have gone we into do. the world of entertainment. I know, and aren't they young to do it? Especially your Elliot. He's brilliant. I absolutely love his stuff. Did you get an um, inkling? All oh, right, she's gonna. No, because I was always a singer, and I always used to mess around in the sessions, and that's how I got into comedy. Because people right. would say, "Oh, go on, do the impression of the producer on the record or whatever," and and so that's how I, you know, I was the clown when I was singing. So it was always from a music perspective I came from. But um, Emily's just doing it, like you know, I don't know. She's just getting out there doing it. She's good, old Emily. She loves it, and she just thinks, why shouldn't I talk about my sex life like men do, you know, and good honour. Yeah, that is brilliant, but if you're a, as a mum, is there not a bit oh, of I you know. thinking, oi? Oh, I know, I have to go, la, 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 put me yeah, 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 in the yeah. ears for a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it I don't want to hear. But um, no, she's great, yeah. Yes, well, with family, I remember my daughter, when we were, it was in New York, actually, and I was doing a little uh, thing in this bar, and about, you know, my following in New York, such as it was, was about 25 people come to this bar, and my daughter's there with me, and I, and I walked on, she was about seven, and she was sitting in the front row, and the first mm. time I swore, she got up and went, Dad! We've <laughs> <laughs> got the biggest laugh of the night, of course. Yeah. Now, we have a number of things that we need to know what the fuck is going on with, and I'm hoping you can help us. Now, the first thing here, Katie, yeah. is Nicholas Witchell, a man who oh. provides endless entertainment. So <laughs> <laughs> I find him hilarious. He spent yeah. his whole life trying to just please please like some sort of 14th yeah. century courtesan oh yeah. please royal family please do it and they can't stand him they can't stand him the royals can't stand him he's a stalker by royal command and <laughs> and this recent thing about the um the palace not telling the uh, reporters what was really going on with the queen's health it really seemed to me like he was an ex-boyfriend of the Queen's, you know. Yes. He was sort of like going, don't tell him where I'm going to be tonight. Just say I'm at home. Don't tell him I'm at the hospital because you know he'll follow one. And she's trying to ghost him all the time. Like, 
you know, and he's just, he's, yeah, he's a stalker. She's turned her blue ticks off on WhatsApp and everything, you know, so he doesn't know whether she's getting, well, 10, that was off that awful man. And I mean, he he actually heard, didn't he? He heard Charles saying yeah, yeah. once, um, oh, that awful man, I can't stand him. He actually heard him saying that once. It must be quite disheartening for him. Do you think that it they'd is. probably prefer it if you weren't grovelly? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's, it is a strange job to do, isn't it, to be a royal reporter. It's like, you know, brown nosing of the royal order but you know you're never going to really be objective but even Nicholas was a bit annoyed wasn't he about the fact that the palace hadn't put yeah, the information was... across I heard him on the news getting a bit like this is not the way that the palace should be doing it and he was really sort of pissed off about it so wouldn't um, it be brilliant yeah, if the you queen... actually had a meltdown if it went and over with the latest on the Queen's health we have with us Royal <laughs> Correspondent Nicholas Mitchell Nicholas what's going on what's going on I'm fucked if I know fucking cow <laughs> all I've said you did the lies I've told I've stuck up for a bloody long son. Now look. Yeah, but I might my own things of meeting royals. I, I met um Princess Anne years ago and she asked me what I did, you know, in the line. They go, what you know, she's got this sort of voice that's kind of sort of quite nasal through her nose. And she said, Yes, and what do you do? And I said, uh, and I thought, because at the time I was doing spitting image, you know. Yeah. And um I said, Oh, I'm, I'm an impressionist, mum. And uh, she said, oh, yes, do you have an exhibition on anywhere? And she genuinely thought I was an impressionist painter. So I thought, well, fair enough, you know. Now, we have another very, very important issue. This could be that of all the environmental issues in the world, this could way, way surpass climate change and other such things. So I'm sure you've seen Pablo Escobar, the world's biggest celebrity dead Drugs cartel chief. Baron, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Amongst his other talents was that when he was like one of the richest people in the world, he collected hippos. And you might as well. (laughs) You might as well, mightn't you? Yeah, you might as well. And I don't quite know the details of it, but one way or another, when he was overthrown and finally murdered and so on, uh, all these vast grounds were not all sort of done away with. And there were four hippos left which shouldn't be that big a problem, although they are a bit (laughs) of a problem, but they've bred. Yeah, they thought they would just go away and they've been multiplying ever since. And there's now loads and loads and loads and loads of hippos in Colombia. And I just think it's such a funny story because like they're having to put them on the pill, you know, they're having to to give them birth control. And I'm just imagining these hippos sort of saying like, I really don't like the pill because I like put on weight when I take that. (laughs) And it gives me mood swings, you know. And apparently hippos are the most dangerous animals yes, in the world. Yes, they are, yes. More dangerous than any other animal. But it's just the idea of he had them as pets. You know, he had a whole menagerie and he had a zoo and he had them as pets. And I'm just trying to think, I wonder how you sort of make a hippo, like, damn boy, heel, you know. No, no, don't chew. Don't chew that. <laughs> and it's what can you very... say? If you're down the park and then Pablo Escobar comes in with a hippo, and he's going, you know, oh, we'll, he's, oh, we'll lick you to death. He's, don't worry, you don't need to worry about him. But he can't did, go, it, fuck off, he's it, a fucking great hippo, because no. it's Pablo Escobar. <laughs> it did remind me of the apocryphal story of when Nosley Safari Park in Liverpool first opened in 1971. They had a council meeting, and somebody said, you know, well, what are we going to do if uh, there's lions roaming around the streets in Liverpool, and, you know, and Toxteth and that? And somebody said, well, the lions will have to fend for themselves, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, we digress. Yeah, 
So going back to the hippos, what a great thing. There's these hippos. Now, there are two schools of thought. There's some people saying that they are damaging the ecosystem. And there's another school uh, that are saying that they're good for the ecosystem because they are encouraging good water systems. I don't know how they're doing that, what? but they're encouraging a good water system. So some people say they're good for the environment and others say they're not. I just love the idea of a hippo for a pet. And I just think it's brilliant. Oh, it is. That is brilliant. The birth control thing. When I was doing town shows in Linton, this marvellous place called Linton, tiny little, tiny, tiny little town on the coast in North Devon. And the town is absolutely split on the issue of goats because there yeah. are urban goats. And half the town loves them and half the town hates them. And the town is pretty, but I've never known a town so divided yeah. in all the ones I've done in the programme. People are furious about it. And so a compromise was reached a few years ago where someone suggested birth control. And I think I did a thing in the, you know, say these goats will be going, well, it's hard enough to keep a grip as it is bloody trying to do it on the side <laughs> of a mountain without a slippy bloody great whatnot on me, whatnot. And I... <laughs> But the God. hippos? What sort of condom would a hippo need? And who's going to put Ooh. it on? <laughs> I must admit, I was thinking, what voice do I give a hippo? And I kind of like thought it would talk like that. I don't know why. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a slightly entitled hippo. I've dubbed a lot of animals. And uh, John Sessions, when we were doing Spitting Image, he refused to do animals. He wouldn't dub an animal because we used to have to dub it. So we do the live, you know, the voices as a radio show. They would do the puppeteering around the voices. And then we'd go in to dub it, just like little bits that were missing. And there'd be like a cat or a dog in the corner and say, John, can you just do it? And he'd go, I don't do fucking dogs. (laughs) And he wouldn't be a vegetable or anything like that. We were all like, you know, doing these little voices. He'd like, I won't do a fucking dog. Now, we have this is something that I think your opinion is key on this issue. Bake Off. Now, are you a fan of Bake Off then? I I do like it. Do you? I do like it. And I, I like the fact that when they were looking for presenters, they couldn't use Davina McCall because she doesn't eat sugar. <laughs> and it's true. And I thought the um, coupling of Noel Fielding and Matt Lucas was quite inspired, actually. I, I like all the people on it, but the whole idea of it, I can't get my head around it because I can't, as soon as I see, say I see Paul Hollywood go, yeah, you know, it's a little bit And I just think, Someone's made you a cake, you ungrateful ass. Are we, we going to raise like a whole generation of kids or go around a hello, dear, grandma's made you lemon drizzle cake? And they'll go, oh, for God's sake, grandma, the bloody raisins aren't evenly distributed. Try again, you old bag. Yeah, but the thing is, just... you think if everybody likes something, then you're sort of, you yeah. think, well, I'm probably in the wrong here. I think Look, it's, it's the type think. of telly that's very popular. It's like the repair shop. It makes people feel relaxed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. know that nobody's going to be here for them blinding and going to <laughs> hell in a handcart. <laughs> hell in a handcart. I don't understand that expression. Hell what does it mean? I'm with you. I, what does it mean? I looked up what a handcart is. It's like a, a wheelbarrow. It's a, I don't know, It just it's become a kind of right-wing thing of saying the world's gone mad. And another thing that gets on my nerves, the one I can't tell doesn't suffer fools gladly. I mean, I do suffer fools very gladly. All my life I've suffered many fools, some of which have been husbands, one <laughs> husband. I mean, we all suffer fools and we yeah. have to do it gladly. But, you know, yeah, you know what it is. It's just, it's comfort telly, isn't it? It's just that kind of telly, you know, and that's, if you want to make a lot of money making a TV show, then come up with a format that's um, nice, pleasant, slow, real, no swearing. And people are baking, yeah. Yeah, that's why this podcast is so popular. One thing they can be certain of is no swearing. It's 
fucking good that you know <laughs> thank fuck for that yeah yes we have a continuity announcer comes on and says and if you're upset by the lack of swearing in that previous item then we <laughs> do apologize Oh, I wish I was that continuity announcer. <laughs> Katie, before you go, after illuminating us so wonderfully as to all the main issues of the day, is there anything that the good people of the nation should know about that you're doing? I've got some wonderful telly coming up. I'm in Afterlife, the final series. Ricky Gervais wrote a lovely character for me. Oh. And so that's coming Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, up yeah, yeah. soon. I play a very um, eccentric authoress who writes very bad erotic fiction and they come to interview me. But... Anyway, I can't talk more about the story, but it's a thrill of mine because, you know, Afterlife is a series that uh, you just go, wow, you know, you cry and laugh in equal measure. So I'm very chuffed to do that. And I'm also in uh, Diane Morgan's uh, series, Mandy, new series coming up. So they're my two things that I'm sort of looking forward to seeing. Yeah, well, it's nice. It's lovely to have you. Thank you so much, Miss Katie Robbins. Everyone in the world seems to be watching Squid Game. I am a massive fan, but there have been some aspects that I didn't quite understand. Luckily, we've got someone with us who did understand everything about it, George Galloway. Let me put it to you, big Korean pink doll thing. Your rapacious desire to massacre individuals for the felony or feeling to stop. When you turn round, does you no credit? Your stilted rigidity is reminiscent of Angela Merkel's inflexible attitude whilst attempting to thwart the noble cause of Brexit. Be under no illusion. The People's Republic of North Korea, with its superior technological capacity, will, as we speak, be assembling a mighty people's teddy bear capable of eliminating your gargantuan yet strangely alluring and coquettish form. That big Korean pink doll thing is why I will not be competing for the obscenely large cash prize of 45.6 billion Korean things, if that is indeed a large sum. I couldn't work out the currency. This week, a senior Tory MP suggested that in order to make politicians safer, they should all be issued with guns. This is like America, where every time something violent takes place, they go, I know why that happened. There's not enough people with guns. So someone goes berserk in a school and they go, well, then teachers should be armed. But one teacher couldn't overcome a gunman, so surely the kids themselves need guns. And then kindergartens advertise themselves by saying, Here at Bubbly Bounce, our precious cherubs are provided with a 9mm Colt SSP semi-automatic double-action pistol, so you know your child is safe all day long. Oh, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it, for someone like Pretty Patel to be given a deadly weapon all day long. She'll be able to enjoy herself as she says, Hello, Mr Tiddington. You've come to speak to me about the blocked drain outside your bungalow, have you? Get on the floor, punk! I'm armed! Some MPs will be comfortable with a gun. Jacob Rees-Mogg was probably given a musket for his third birthday. And he'd say, I also have a regiment, the 14th Highland Light Infantry, which I keep in the kitchen, lest an unwanted incursion 
should be attempted. And what's Caroline Lucas going to do with a gun? Go, oh, I hope these bullets are unleaded. Maybe they'll decide this proposal doesn't go far enough and they'll say MPs will also be given a crocodile and a cannon. But arming MPs wasn't the only thing they come up with after the murder. It was also announced this week... The British Parliament's expenses watchdog has removed all details of MPs' expenses dating back more than a decade. Hang on! What's that got to do with an MP being murdered? I can't be certain about the motives of the idiot who murdered David Ames, but I doubt that it was because he went to the library and found out that he'd claimed 75 quid for ink cartridges. It's like they're saying, if you've done something dodgy that might annoy people, the obvious answer is to pass a law to stop people finding out that you've done the dodgy, annoying thing. Next, they'll suggest a law to ban tutting about any Prime Minister who buys expensive wallpaper and then seems to forget where the money comes from. This is nothing to do with safety. They're using this now as an excuse to bring in things they want to do anyway. MPs will stand up in the House and say... Mr Speaker, is it not the case that foxes are making people angry by keeping them awake at night with their loud sexual antics? And that is why, for MPs' safety, we have to bring back fox hunting. Mr Speaker... Is it not essential that for our protection we should all be given a case of brandy and a vineyard? I suggest we call it David's Law. (laughs) Mr Speaker, in the light of the appalling events of recent days, in order to honour the memory of our esteemed colleague, would the House agree that it is only right and proper that we should go to war with France? This week, Rishi Sunak will be announcing the budget. And a lot of people are very worried about how it's going to affect them and their struggling families. I heard one woman in a cafe who was practically in tears. Well, I heard Richard Maidley on Good Morning Britain saying they're threatening to increase the minimum wage from £8.91 to £9.42. And I said, well, that's going to trash the economy because we can't possibly afford to pay the nanny £9.42 a year. And Tara at the spin class said... (laughs) No, that's per hour, but that's Tara for you. She's frankly hilarious. We can only afford the nanny as it is because we offset the cost by making her give us £6 an hour for not informing the Home Office. The last one was from Bulgaria or somewhere and she was absolutely hopeless because we asked her to write Nectarine's essay for school about the impact of climate change on Central Asia and she only got a B+. And it's been harder than ever to get the staff, what with Brexit and now all this clumping down on child trafficking. We used to have an Egyptian boy who came round to clear the garden. We let him sleep in the shrubs rent-free. And we could have let that out to students. And we need that money because we're having a dolphinarium installed to help Colin relax. He works very hard. He's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Rygate area. And now our accountant says that dolphins can't be claimed against tax. And he wants to charge us £9.42 as well. But that's the trouble with people these days. It's just me, me, me. Excuse me. What happened to that Croatian girl who used to grate my pomegranate seeds? What the fuck is going on? One of the many joys of doing this podcast is that people do write in through Twitter and such things. Oliver Double, a fine man from Canterbury, says... Apparently the Tories now think even the National Trust is too woke for them 
What the fuck is going on? This refers to a chap called Stephen Green, who is a member of a faction within the National Trust. Now, as a city person, the National Trust is just a strange body that you are vaguely aware seems to run stately homes and bits of forest and things. Stephen Green, a member of the faction within the National Trust called the Restore Trust, accuses the National Trust leadership of being obsessed with LGBT issues. Is that true? This is marvellous that there is a culture war going on within the National Trust that there must be people going, Noel Park in Seven Oaks is now nothing but a haven for transgender issues. It's a 16th century stately home. Carefully Castle has got battlements that have got nothing to do with LGBT. What is there now? Big signs up saying Ethelred the 19th was a big supporter of gay rights or something and this has upset them. It doesn't take much to offend people like Stephen Green, <laughs> I guess. Incidentally, the Giant's Causeway in Northern Ireland became a big issue for reasons not all that unconnected with this because a bloke called Edwin Poots, who at one point became leader of the Democratic Unionist Party for about an hour, he was and is a fundamentalist Christian and he objected, I think he was culture minister, something like that, but he objected to the signs that said about how the Giant's Causeway was a, a marvellous example of geological transformations over millions of years that had caused it and so on because he said the earth is only 6,000 years old as anybody knows if they understand the bible and therefore there should be a sign up saying that that's not necessarily the case <laughs> so it's, you can't do anything these days without upsetting right-wing fundamentalist maniacs allotment slim says my favourite podcasts right now are at Weller Fan Pod and WTF is Going On Pod, which I'm very, very flattered to be in that company, Allotment Slim, partly because I met Paul Weller once and it is one of the most humiliating experiences of my life because I was with Mark Lamar, who has been on this very podcast, and we were hosting a Saturday morning radio programme on Radio 2 in Jonathan Ross's slot because he was off on holiday and I never used to know who the guest were till I got there all sorts of extraordinary people used to come in and one day they just went oh yeah Paul Weller's coming in and I absolutely shook I just was so starstruck and Paul Weller come in and Mark lost something and went you better carry on for a minute and I didn't know what to say and I asked him a question which was I think so Paul you think because with the jam and you know when you and and you know when I was 17 and the town called it's called, what was it called? And go, you know, the underground, you know, that song you did about going in the, the, the tube stations, uh, uh, half past uh, whatever the time was. I'm sorry, I've got, and they still play it and I, at the football. And I just don't know. And, I, and he looked at me as if to say, Who let this fucking idiot on the radio? And Mark, a few days later, said he got a message from Paul Weller saying, It's good to know that the spirit of hospital radio carries on. Claire Richards from Sydney says, what the fuck is going on with Australian climate change? It's taken a billboard funded by local people to convince the Australian Prime Minister to go to Glasgow. So this is the big climate change conference that's coming up. And there's a billboard, and it does look rather brilliant. There's a big billboard saying climate change denial, and there's Ayers Rock all on fire 
and there's just some Australians dancing in front of it, <laughs> which, I, which I think is a made-up billboard, but it, it could actually be a photograph, couldn't it? I suppose, a real one. That is horribly, horribly possible. Fucking nothing wrong with bloody 230 degrees. We're all going to melt. We might as well fucking dance. But this billboard apparently has had quite a bit of an impact, and so the Australian Prime Minister is going to come to Glasgow, where it'll be fucking freezing, if nothing else, but lovely indeed to have somebody listening in, in Australia. All of the technology of this completely and utterly perplexes and confounds me. I can't understand how anybody hears this when they're in another bit of South London. So the fact that someone's listening to it in Australia, I think, is a little bit spooky and probably something to do with the devil. What the fuck is going on? Now, there are some exciting announcements about the world and they seem to involve me. I'm doing some of these shows at the moment that were originally booked up sort of two years or so ago and then around about March 2020 they were cancelled. So I've been doing something. They're brilliant. I mean audiences are so happy just to be out and I'm sure lots of them are thinking we can't remember who this bloke is but anyway we've got the tickets we might as well go. So yeah you could come along to that. Another announcement. So the Mark Steele's in town show is returning there's three shows that we're sort of working on, Blythe, Whitby and Walthamstow, and they are now all going to be recorded in the next few weeks. So if you're in Blythe or Whitby or Walthamstow, you're very, very, very welcome to come along to those. You go on the BBC ticket unit and get tickets for those, and they will all be going out in December. And also... In French, un petit annonce en français parce que je vais faire mes premiers spectacles en français janvier prochain, le 23 janvier, uh, Brighton, le Club Comédia, K-O-M-E-D-I-A, le 28 janvier, Museum of Comedy, Londres, Centre-Ville, uh, on peut acheter des billets de sites web, je pense, parce que nous devons demander qu'est-ce que le Nikkei se passait now, with us is someone who is uh, essential if we're going to try and work out what the fuck is going on. We had to know what the younger people are thinking. And luckily, many years ago, I bred a younger person for this very purpose as part of a huge experiment that has dismally failed so far. Mr. Elliot Steele. Didn't vote leave for all of that shit there, Dad. Eh? We haven't left the EU for you to come on this podcast and start banging out a load of that foreign muck. Thank you very much. Well, I'm the fifth column, aren't I? Now, <laughs> if we are to let people know about things, and inform people about things these days. We use all sorts of mechanisms that my generation are just a complete and utter mystery. In fact, we could probably let the good people of the podcast community know the last hour was a bit tricky, wasn't it? Trying to get Katie Robbins, who I think is of a similar vintage to me, she wouldn't mind me saying, trying to get her onto the actual programme at all, onto the podcast. Well, yeah, you just didn't know how Zoom worked. No, I didn't know how Zoom worked. You went, how do I get Zoom? And it's like, well, start by typing it into Google. Why don't you start there? What's Google? <laughs> you at one point asked me on an email, how do I send it when there was a big button that said send? <laughs> this is what I don't get. Why don't you like just learn how technology, just next time something's not working, do you know what you do? Go on YouTube. Oh, Jesus Christ. And type in exactly how do I do this? Oh, God, I can't. That, that'll just send me down the But just, just, just do that, all right, but just then don't use technology. Just do one <laughs> or the other. It's like you're just refusing to learn. Like a really important thing as well. Like it's really important to be tech savvy nowadays. 
Like it's part of the world. It's really important. Yeah, it's right. useful. It's just you've got to learn how to use it. Just learn a little bit about. I'm not saying go out and learn what Bitcoin is or like what NFTs are or anything like that. What's that? A national film theater? No, an NFT. It's like a non-fungi trade. It's, it's like I don't understand it. It's to do with Ethereum. It's basically like pictures of neon cats that sell for like a hundred thousand quid. Oh, but I don't quite understand what it is. It's to do. I believe it's to do with Ethereum. Yes, and it's all over TikTok at the minute. But my thing is, it the amount of moron mates I know doing it means that it's obviously a scam. Right. It's clearly like one of those things, like you know, when you hear like in 08, and I know it was the bankers and the loaning companies that caused 08. But what really caused 08? was morons <laughs> right. like that was that is when you look into it some idiot who was on twenty thousand pound a year went and took out a three hundred thousand pound mortgage and then went oh do you know what else i'm going to do i'm going to go and take out another three hundred thousand pound mortgage and the bank's never going to ask for any of this money back <laughs> and one day the bank was like oh not only do we need that three hundred thousand pound back we need it with loads of interest and they were like oh i'm only on twenty thousand pound a year and then they get up in arms and go and block Wall Street and be like, how did you let this happen? And it was like, well, you should have had some foresight that one day the bank might ask for that money back that they've just given you. And now your properties aren't worth what they're worth because the housing market's crashed because loads of morons have done that. But that's a no. It was debt packages all bound up by the banks as they all merged each other and sold them to each other. Without doubt, without doubt, the banks are responsible for it. But also what is responsible. Think of, like Think about every idiot who went and caused the petrol crisis. Right. Do, do you know what I mean? Think about that. <laughs> that was basically that, but with houses. Yeah, but they didn't need the petrol, but houses are different because you need a house. No, for sure, for sure. But it's like, you know, the fastest way to make money at the minute is to just buy property. Yeah. It's like a real yeah, safe yeah, investment. Yeah, because you can rent out a room for 800 quid. And I didn't realise this, but there are people that are now renting out rooms and they not only do they do you have to only have a room in the house, but you share a room in the house. So you like you rent half a room yeah but it's gonna collapse that will happen now we've not even started talking about the thing we're going to start talking about so we will do that next week please listen in next week in order to find out what the fuck is going on with the thing that we forgot to talk what the fuck is going on about have you got anything you'd like the good people of the country to know you're doing yeah that was a smooth transition to a plug i will be at top secret comedy club on i believe it is november the 11th doing a new work in progress show and i'll be having a few more come out oh and i'm in leicester at some point as well okay so just go on leicester's website just go to Leicester and just ask about <laughs> that will be in February there's something or other it's part of the Leicester Comedy Festival but I'll plug it properly next week when I find out the dates alright then what supreme advertising this is it's like Cameron Diaz launching a new perfume well if you're going to come you can wait a fucking week to find out the date <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ thank you very much Mr <laughs> Elliot Still. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, please subscribe, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review. We've now got a website, whatthefisgoingonpodcast.co.uk. And if there's anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTFisgoingonpod. And we'll do our best to look at all the messages. We will look at all our messages until we're getting seven or eight billion messages. We will look at all of them. 
What the Fuck Is Going On was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests, Kate Robbins and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander and Pete Sinclair. It was written by Mark Steele, James Serafinowicz and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced and edited by Scott and Matt at Podmonkey. What the Fuck Is Going On is a co-production between Podmonkey and Concept Industries.